Hello and welcome to episode 70 of Linux Downtime. I'm Joe. I'm Gary. I'm Amalith. And I'm Liam. Nice to talk to you all. Welcome back, Amalith, and uh, welcome for the first time, Liam. Hello, thank you for having me. So people may know you from gaming on Linux. Yeah, I've been doing it for coming up to 14 years. How long have you been doing it full-time? Full-time, ooh. A couple years less, but still probably around eight or nine years, I think, now. Wow. Well, clearly the last few years have been pretty momentous in terms of gaming on Linux, but we will get to that a bit later. I wanted to start with just your kind of general thoughts on the Linux and FOSS space. So what are you most excited about in the Linux and FOSS space at the moment? Well, there's a couple of things, really. The big one is obviously Wayland. You can't go anywhere in the Linux and open source space without somebody bringing it up and, you know, just how long it has been. And as an NVIDIA user, I don't really reap many, if any, of the benefits right now because they've just dragged their feet so long. I check on it now and then with like every new KD Plasma release and like later NVIDIA drivers, and it still just doesn't work very well. It's really annoying. And HDR is another big one because I only just recently bought a big fancy 1440p monitor that supports HDR, which again, right now, I can't really use. So that is another big one because I really want to see more of what it's like. And you think Wayland's going to be the key to unlocking all that then? Partly, yeah. I mean, when you think about it, Xorg, X11, it's so old, it's unreal. And it is the source of so many problems. I mean, old doesn't mean it's not functional, though. X still supports a lot of this stuff. From what I've heard, it's like hacks on hacks on hacks. Have you written software before? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But um, another one that was really interesting that came up recently is that there's going to be a new open source NVIDIA Vulkan driver, NVK, which is completely community built. But recently, I think it was around January, it started to run the first games, like really, really slowly. But that's kind of an exciting thing there because NVIDIA and open source generally, you know, don't go too well together. Another one, though, is SteamOS 3. So what is running? on the Steam Deck. At some point, Valve said they are going to do like a, a generalized desktop release that anyone can download and put on their, their PC or on a different handheld because there's various different handhelds coming out now. And it's just, it's going to be really interesting to see because especially with, you know, the channels that I run for gaming, there are a lot of comments and a lot of people waiting just seemingly sitting there waiting to install it. So that is going to be really interesting. So what are you worried about in the uh, Linux and open source space? Like, what are you anxious about and what can we do about it? The biggest one is kind of the same problem as always, which is adoption on just a general scale of Linux on the desktop. Like, where is it going? Is it going anywhere? And I mean, still to this day, it doesn't really seem like it's actually going anywhere. I hear this all the time, and I always wonder, like, does it need to go anywhere? We get these people that just, or they claim that they only use Windows for games, right? But if we're getting Steam OS as a desktop OS, isn't that just kind of the same thing anyways? If it brings them over to not using Windows anymore, and they're using a Linux desktop, sure, it's a Steam desktop, but... You know, this, that was Steam's whole big deal way back in the day with the uh, Steam PCs. Yeah. 
I think that's a win for us, maybe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I'm, well, excited, obviously, about SteamOS 3 eventually at some point, Valve time getting a release. It does go into gaming as well, but it's also just a general sort of support and application thing and down to hardware as well. Like you still have hardware, you know, releasing all the time that has absolute zero Linux support. So it is still quite a big issue. That said, it's definitely gotten a lot better over the years than when I first started with Linux. But yeah, it's still still a problem to this day. I have a uh, composite video capture card that doesn't work because no one's written drivers for it. And I can't figure out how to do it. So it's <laughs> still a problem. Yeah, that was a problem that I had as well, which is I ended up just going for a, a USB capture card that had no drivers. And oh, it's, it's beautiful. When it comes to Linux on the desktop, we've talked about this on various shows over the years. And I've come to the conclusion that we've kind of already won if there is even a battle to be fought. And we're in a good place. We've got a lot of users. It might be minuscule compared with Windows users. I mean, I get it from your point of view that gaming is this kind of mainstream thing. And if we can get Linux to a mainstream position where it's rivaling Windows, then that's great, especially for you and what you do professionally. But we've got a bunch of hobbyists, a bunch of professionals, and just a bunch of people using Linux on the desktop. And that's good enough for me, I think, that there are enough people. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, we talked to Amalith about young people. And Amalith, you talked about how there are young people of your age in the early 20s who are really into Linux on the desktop. I am of two minds about the issue, though. On one hand, I do think we're fine where we are now. I don't really see people leaving Linux in droves. I don't really see them coming to Linux in droves aside from the Steam Deck. That was a huge thing for Linux in general. But like we said the last show, the technically-minded people will find their way to Linux, not just the technically-minded people. The people who need Linux will find their way to it, whether that's through friends recommending it because it uniquely fits their particular use case, or whether that's what they're interested in. They'll find their way to it. But on the other hand, having that new hardware support could be really nice. I like fun toys. I want to use the latest hardware. And if there's no one on Linux, the hardware vendors aren't going to support it, and then it'll be up to the community to write the drivers for it, and that doesn't always happen. Yeah, I guess my my viewpoint is a lot more unique, really, because gaming on Linux as just an entire platform is highly dependent on the amount of users, and it's the, the same with hardware support. So the concern there is really that right now, gaming as a sort of whole for Linux is really massively dependent on Valve with Steam. And so if, say, the Steam Deck, they decide at some point it's it's not as much of a success as they wanted it to be, or they just move on to something else, where does that really leave us? That's my big concern on that right now. I understand where you're coming from there, but I mean, they already tried these Steam machines. They had the Steam controller, the Steam Link. Now, this is basically like their third try. And, you know, how many more times are they going to try? But like, they've already shown that they're, you know, they're going to try some stuff, see how it goes and then iterate and continue. Maybe it means they'll stop soon. Who knows? Well, how many Steam decks have they sold at this point? It's over a million. There was a 
KDE event and one of their developers, this is going back around October-ish last year, they gave out a figure on the stage of a million. I don't think they were supposed to give it out, but they did (laughs) anyway. But there was also an analyst, I don't remember the name, but they put up an article recently where they're basically saying they're estimating around three and a half million by the end of this year. Wow. So when you think about it for a handheld PC, so it's a very specialized piece of hardware that's almost exclusively sold online, apart from a few places in Asia, that's actually kind of amazing. It doesn't quite rival the Switch, but... uh, (laughs) Not much does, really. (laughs) Yeah, that's a slightly different category of product, though, to be fair. Yeah, it's it's never going to rival the Switch, the Xbox, the PlayStation, anything like that, because it is so highly specialized. It is a PC, but just with controls and a screen all built in. Have you used it as a PC then, or have you just used it as a handheld? I've actually used it as a mixture of both because I actually had two. So they sent me one as a review unit around maybe a month before it released to the public. So I obviously did the review and all that. But then when it released properly, I already had a reservation in there for like my own personal unit. And I've just enjoyed using it so much that I just bought one for myself anyway. So I've always got one hooked up to a dock. So it's hooked up either to my TV in my living room or my TV in my bedroom. But then I've got one that I'll just carry around and do whatever with. As an actual desktop, the Steam Deck can work quite well, I think. In fact, I was speaking to someone earlier who uses Fedora Silverblue. So when they do their updates, it just refreshes the entire system. And that's what SteamOS does on the Steam Deck. So it can be really quite stable because... Any major updates that you're getting through is updating the entire system. You don't have to deal with these small little issues. One of the drawbacks, though, is that to actually get additional software on it, you're limited to things like Flatpak with Flathub or direct downloads. So if you do need something that is not available in a Flatpak or a direct download, then you can be a little bit stuck, really. On the whole, as a general purpose system, I I think it works surprisingly well. In fact, there is somebody in my Discord who got rid of their PC. Oh, wow. And they now use the Steam Deck for everything, which I thought was really interesting. My girlfriend has one as well, and she's used it as like a work machine in the past when she didn't have her laptop with her. Well, it is basically as powerful as a laptop. Right. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Servermania. Go to servermania.com slash LDT to get 15% off dedicated servers recurring for life. Servermania has over two decades of experience building high-performance infrastructure hosting platforms for businesses globally. They offer a wide range of fully customizable dedicated cloud, co-location, and IP transit services and free initial consultations. Servermania offers a 100% uptime SLA with some of the best bandwidth pricing in North America on network speeds of up to 20 gigabits per second in nine locations worldwide. With Servermania, every customer receives a dedicated account manager, free 24-7 live chat and support, with one of the quickest response times in the industry. So go to servermania.com slash LDT to find out why my friend Alan Jude has been a Servermania customer for over five years. 
Use the promo code LinuxDowntime to get 15% off dedicated servers recurring for life. That's servermania.com slash LDT and promo code LinuxDowntime. Quick bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. Remember that for $10 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed that includes this show, Linux After Dark, Late Night Linux, and now a new show to the Late Night Linux family called Linux Matters, which is hosted by Popey, Wimpy, and Mark, who used to do the Ubuntu podcast. And it's quite similar to that, but without the Ubuntu focus. That's at linuxmatters.sh. But if you subscribe to the Late Night Linux All Episodes feed, then Linux Matters will just show up automatically, and similarly with the $10 Patreon ad-free feed. We also now have the option on Patreon to support just one show at a time for $5, and that gets you an advert-free RSS feed of just that show. But it's better value to pay $10 for all four shows, but, you know, choice is always good. You can get a link to the Patreon at linuxdowntime.com support. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at linuxdowntime.com. You said you've been covering Linux gaming for 14 years at this point, and surely it must be in the best place it's ever been in 2023. Oh yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I've I've basically seen it all at this point. I've been there where the only real things you could do was open source games like Frozen Bubble back in the day. Super Tux Cart. Yeah. Then I've been through the rise of things like the Humble Indie Bundles, which when they first started, they were absolutely massive. Everybody loved them. Mm. And they came along and basically said, if you want your game in this bundle, it has to be cross-platform Linux macOS and Windows and they kept doing loads of them but obviously over time that faded as they sort of watered down their business model and they do bundles for basically everything now then you had all the rumors about Steam coming along and lots of people me included didn't believe it I mean I, I remember emailing Gabe Newell you know the co-founder of Valve just like is this true and he replied yes so I was like oh okay <laughs> And then you had GOG, G-O-G.com. Used to be good old games, but now it's just GOG. They saw what Valve were doing with Steam. We were like, oh, yeah, we want to get in on that. Now you've got the Steam Deck and just, yeah. I mean, there's been ups and downs, of course, like Steam Machines. They they were a big hypey thing, but they just completely fell on their face for so many reasons. Mm. But right now, with the Steam Deck and... Pushing Steam Deck aside for a minute, you've got Proton as well, which they basically forked Wine, the translation layer, made their own special version of it that's focused purely on games. And right now, for the most part, you could probably pick up a game, any game on Steam, for the most part, and just hit play, and it works, and it is amazing. Well, yeah. Linux gaming is in the best place it's ever been, but that is almost completely 100% down to Valve and what they've done with Proton. Yeah, because this is what I was alluding to earlier, is about the user share, about why I want more Linux desktop users, because without it, all our eggs are in a single basket with Valve, and the majority of that as well, like 99% of it now is for Proton, because developers aren't producing their games for Linux because the user market share isn't there. They don't get enough of a kickback for it to actually be worth it. So, you know, here along comes Proton, like, oh, you want to play games? Oh, let's do it. Yeah, I think Proton's kind of both a blessing and a curse, right? Because what we're really describing here is a chicken and egg problem. 
And while Proton is helping to bring people over in the meantime and bring games to us, it's also possibly negatively affecting us because, like, we're not going to see native games and stuff like that. And maybe it's okay to have a platform that games run on, and whether that's the Windows API using Proton and everything, and maybe that's okay, but I think that remains to be seen yet. It's one of those things where it's like, there's pluses and minuses right now, but eventually time is going to be the thing that tells the story. Yeah, so there there was a lot of worry from me and various other people sort of in the beginning of Proton when we were looking at it and thinking, well, if developers can just make a game for Windows and have it run through Proton, they're never going to support Linux directly. And that could have been a big problem because then you have the game engines that support building for Linux might over time reduce their Linux support, and you know that will have knock-on effects everywhere else. But when you just get down to it, the majority of people really don't care how the game was made, what's behind it, what platform it was compiled for. The gamers, they want to hit a play button and have it work, and that is the most important thing, and Proton does that. I would imagine that most people, even if they are interested in the the plumbing of Linux, when it comes to gaming, that's kind of um, a separate thing for a lot of people. They have their work time and then they have the gaming time and they just want it to work. And if that means Proton and whatever strings and gaffer tape is going on behind the scenes, if it works, if the frame rates are good, that's all that matters. Yeah, that is it, exactly. At the start of when Proton was released, there was, you know, a lot of comments, a lot of pushback against the idea of just playing games through Proton because people just had it in their mind. And I'm, I was guilty of this as well, of it, it needs to be native Linux. It needs to be direct support. Native is the best, you know, that sort of frame of mind. But over time, as Valve has constantly pushed out the updates to Proton, constantly improved it, as I said, a large majority of games you can now just hit play. And for people who are gamers, that is the most important thing. It should be the most important thing. It should be the only thing that actually matters. Because you have to remember, the vast majority, like 99% of games are proprietary closed source anyway. So it doesn't really make that much of a difference, truly, of what you're running it through, whether it was compiled for Linux or whether you're running it through Proton or Wine or whatever. Will we ever get the anti-cheat stuff working properly for those uh, niche games that need it? Well, not niche games, the opposite, the huge games that need it. That is a seemingly insurmountable mountain. It's like this peak that we're always chasing, and it's like you think you're getting to the top, and then it just sort of shoots out further away from you, you know, like out of some bad cartoon or something. But they've made a fair amount of progress on that, though, to be fair. Like, you've got some of the most popular anti-cheats do support Linux, both native and Proton. So you've got Easy Anti-Cheat and BattleEye. They both support it. But the problem is, again, it's that user share. It's down to these individual developers to actually enable that support. And a lot of them aren't because there aren't enough users and they've some of them have just outright said, like uh, the game Rust by the company Face Punch, they basically said, we don't want to enable it because we don't want to put the easy anti-cheat team under more pressure and end up having more hackers come in that are, say, using Linux 
and then have a detrimental effect to 99% of their players, which is on Windows. And you've got things like that as well. But then you've got the other side where you've got games like Apex Legends, one of the most popular first-person shooters by EA, you know, of all people publishing it, they enabled it. And I mean, it's working great. Well, and as Valve sells more and more of the Steam decks and people don't seem to be installing Windows on them, I think that is the the biggest success of the Steam Deck story is that I've not heard of anyone installing Windows on theirs because it just works fine with Linux. And so if they do sell millions more, then that will hopefully put pressure on these game studios to actually make their games work on that. And then the byproduct of that is if it works on the Steam Deck, there's a very good chance it'll work on just a standard Linux PC. Yeah. So from everywhere I can see, Windows on Steam Deck is a minority which is a really fun thing for a Linux user to have to say. (laughs) Um, So you can look at uh, Steam do a hardware and software survey once a month. It is opt-in, so, you know, take it with a a bag of salt and all that. But you can see when you go through the details on it, and they can do a breakdown of just Windows, just Mac, just Linux, or all of them combined. You can actually go in, say, on Windows. You can go in and look specifically for the GPU that is in the Steam Deck and see it's just this absolutely tiny percentage or it might not even be listed because so few people are using it. And a fun stat for you as well, there was a a Twitter account, Steam Deck Gaming. They just did a poll today on this very thing. And they basically said, what are you running on your Steam Deck? And the options are SteamOS only, SteamOS and Windows, Windows 10 and Windows 11. 89% have said SteamOS only. And that's of the people who are enthusiastic enough to follow a Twitter account about it rather than your average person who would just buy it, turn it on and start playing. Yeah. And so, I mean, that stat alone kind of speaks volumes, I think. Well, it's been really great talking to you, Liam. People should go to gamingonlinux.com to uh, read all the latest with that. And you've got your YouTube channel as well, which they should search for. Yeah, it's just Gaming on Linux on YouTube. All right. Well, I'll put links to both of those in the show notes then. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Gary. I've been Amalith. And I'm Liam. See you later.